Let's pray. Thank you, Father. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, that we can come together, Lord, as your people, a part of your body, Lord, this local body of Christ. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name for your presence with us. Uh, We thank you, Lord, that, Lord, you have uh, been speaking to us and encouraging us this morning already, Lord, as we've worshipped you and shared communion together. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, that, Lord, you are worthy of all honour, glory and praise. And we thank you, Father, that you're a good, good Father, in Jesus' name. Lord, we ask that, Lord, you would speak to us through your word this morning, through the word which is inspired by you, Father, your word, the Bible, in Jesus' name, that you would help me uh, just communicate that which, Lord, will bring glory and honour and benefit to us this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I've just entitled my message this morning, uh, Pray for One Another. I thought that was... (laughs) I was there... To tell you the truth, I hadn't figured out how to end the, the message today. I, I still don't know that, it, that I have. Um, Andrew's got the countdown on somewhere. <laughs> oh, it's down there, Andrew. <laughs> I'll put that there. My watch there as well. But I was thinking how to end it, and I thought maybe, maybe we should pray for one another. And uh, Andrew went and stole my thunder. <laughs> We've already prayed for one another. We could do it again. We'll see what happens. But wasn't that good? Seriously, I hope, I hope that, that, was really, that that really meant something to you and to one another as you prayed for one another and that you, you enjoyed that time and that you sensed God's presence and uh, that you believed God was answering your prayer. I'm going to read this morning from Ephesians 1 verses 15 to 22 and Ephesians 3 verses 14 to 20 later on. I might get to the book of Revelation, we'll see how we go. But this morning, I simply want to encourage us from the Word of God to be a church and to be a people that are praying for one another. We need to pray for one another. And this is what Paul writes to the Ephesians. He says, verse 15, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. Listen to this. Which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills everything in every way. That just blows my mind. The church is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Brothers and sisters, we need to pray for one another. 
we need to pray for, for one another to realise the purposes of God in our lives, what God wants to do in and through you and I and through us as a local body. For Paul says, for this reason, for this reason, in verse, eight, in verse 15, for this reason I pray, and we might ask ourselves, for what reason? And, for, and really to get that, you'd have to read the context of uh, the preceding verses. But for this reason, and we, and we know that in verse uh, chapter 1 there, Paul has outlined things like this, you have every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. For this reason, I'm going to pray for you. You have every spiritual blessing in Christ. God in his love has chosen you. He has predestined you to glory. For this reason, I'm going to pray for you. He's lavished grace upon you. For this reason, I'm going to pray for you. You're chosen, you're predestined. And I'm going to pray for you, says the Apostle Paul. He's not taking for granted that the maturity of the Ephesian believers is just going to happen. He's not taking it for granted, but he does pray in line with the revealed will of God. He prays through the revealed will of God, what he knows to be true, what he knows to be the will of God, and he, and he prays. He prays that the Spirit of God would work in the lives of the Ephesian church, the Ephesian believers. He prays. Our prayers matter. Amen? Prayer matters. The Apostle Paul is not just praying as an intellectual exercise or as a psychological event. He is praying to his Father in heaven, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hears the prayers of his people and responds... Amen? He believes his prayers are, are essential to the Spirit of God working in and through the Ephesian believers because God is hearing and responding to the prayers of his people. Amen? We don't have to read the Bible a lot it's, it, to see that God responds to people's prayers. Amen? You can read the Bible, Moses, Hannah. There's, there's many, many examples of God responding to the prayers of his people. And Paul prays for this reason. He says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. I have not stopped giving thanks. You know, we were at a, uh, at, uh, a birthday party celebration yesterday, David's 70th. And David, uh, as part of his uh, speech, really most of his speech was giving thanks to individuals who had touched his life, who were sincere friends and sown in to his life and no doubt he into them and he gave thanks and I was just thinking it was just tremendous. I thought it's just wonderful. I mean how wonderful are, that those people who he thanked would have, they would have so appreciated that. It meant something to him, to them and to David. You know thanks, being thankful for one another is a powerful thing, especially when it's in our prayers, being thankful for one another. Paul says, I continually, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. He's looking for the work of grace that is in the life of the believers. He's seeing that there's grace, that God has called these believers in Ephesians, that they've come to repentance and faith. He sees God working in and through them and he gives thanks 
for them to God. He, and he tells them about it as well. He gives thanks. Church, let's look for the works of grace that God is doing in and through each one of us. Let's, let's see and that the, the things that Jesus, by His Spirit, God the Father, by His Spirit, is doing in each one of us, and let's give thanks for that. Give thanks to God for that. Maybe appropriate thank, go and tell the person about it. When we pray for someone, you think, well, I don't know how to pray. Start to thank God for them. Say, I thank God. Thank God for Jess. Thank God she's come to faith in Christ. Amen? Thank, thank you, Jesus. And as I do that, it opens my heart. It opens my heart to the Spirit of God to open up how to pray for that person. It, 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 it opens my heart, thankfulness to God. It's something we could do in our life groups. That's an exercise we could do in our life groups. We could say, well, let's pray for one another tonight and let's just start by giving thanks. When we sincerely give thanks for one another in prayer, it's powerful. And you do that and I guarantee you the Spirit of God will open your heart to pray for that person and you'll get more than just thanks. You'll get, you'll get more. Paul says, I keep asking, I keep asking, Let's keep praying. Let's not take for granted that we're all going to grow to maturity if we're not praying for one another. Let's pray, church. I'm preaching to myself this morning. Lord, help us to pray. He prays in verse 17. I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, as he prays, he's praising and he's got the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in his thinking is the exalted Lord. In his thinking is, is Jesus, our Lord, who gave himself for you and I on that cross, who was buried and rose from the dead on the third day, who is exalted to the right hand of the Father. And he is seated in heavenly places. He's at the, he's, he represents you and I. He, Hebrews says, he dwells in heaven, Jesus, the risen Lord. And there he is appearing for us in heaven you see when we pray in jesus name as believers in christ we're praying through the son through our lord jesus christ to the father and the and jesus is taking our petition to god the father and he's writing the signature in his blood the answer to the prayer when jesus signs the prayers we pray they get answered see paul's confident that God's going to answer this prayer of his. We need to pray confidently in Jesus' name. Amen? The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you might know him better. We can pray this prayer. We can make this prayer our own. We need to be praying for one another that we know God the Father better. See, as Christian believers, our greatest need, my greatest need, is to know God my Father better, my Dad in heaven. That's our greatest need. My greatest need is not a successful business. My greatest need is not a successful ministry. My greatest need has nothing much to do with success. My greatest need is to know my Father in heaven better. 
that's our greatest need. It's not even to get all my problems fixed. My greatest need is to know my God better. And I tell you something, when we start to know our God better, the other things start to fall into place. And God repairs our lives for his glory. But our greatest need, church, is to be praying, sincerely praying for one another, that we might know God the Father, the glorious Father, better. He's a good, good Father. Amen? He's a good, good Father. And we are loved by Him. And we need to know this. And, in the, and it's only the Spirit of God who can do it. You see, I'm, I might touch on it later, but the Ephesian church was a well-grounded church. We can read about it. In uh, Acts 18 to 19, the Apostle Paul spent at least two years there. It was a well-grounded, well-taught church. It was a biblical New Testament church. But the Apostle Paul says, I'm going to pray. I need to pray. The Spirit of God has put this prayer in the Scripture for us. We need to pray that we might know God better. Because it's only the Holy Spirit who can take the words of the Scriptures. It's only the Holy Spirit who can reveal God the Father to us and Jesus Christ, His Son. And we need to pray. God hears the prayers of His people and He responds. He prays also that our, that our hearts might be enlightened in order that we might know that our hearts might be enlightened, our hearts, our, the seat of our thoughts, seat of our emotions, Lord, that our heart might be enlightened, that the Spirit of God might enlighten us, that we might know the hope to which God has called us, called you, that we might know the future salvation that God has in store for us and what He's working in and through, that Jesus Christ is coming back again, He's going to raise our bodies from the dead, He's going to give us a new body. He's going, to, he's going to come and reign and ultimately bring in a new heaven and earth that we might know this glorious hope, that we might know the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, just how much we are loved and delighted in by God. The riches of his inheritance might mean the things that we inherit in Christ, but I think probably it means that we are actually God's inheritance. Brother, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, we, his children, are his inheritance. You think we are in, we are in, we, the Bible says that God has uh, redeemed us, a people for his very self, for his own self, eager to do what is good. I think of the selfless love of an adopting parent. There's a lot of selfless love when a, when a parent chooses to adopt. I think of uh, people like uh, Rich and Jen adopting JP. There's a lot of selfless love. But I'm also sure, and it's a good thing, that there was a lot of joy that they derived. And there was a lot of goodness that they received from doing such. God doesn't need that from us. But I tell you, God delights in his adopted children. He delights in us. He rejoices over us with singing. 
We are his inheritance. And he says, I pray that you might know his incomparably great power for us who believe. Incomparably great power for us who believe. There's believers in the house today. God has incomparably great power for us who believe. He says, it's like the mighty power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's like that. It's like the power that seated Jesus in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority. It's like that power. It's like that. That's what's at work in you and I. It's like that, Paul says. Later on in in chapter 2, Paul will say, we've actually been seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. But that we might know his power. I'm encouraging us to pray for one another that we know, that we know God better. That we know the glorious Father better. And that we come to know to really know the hope to which he has called us. The glorious riches of his inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. We're understanding this morning that saints are simply Christians, those called by God. We're not sure how to pray you could get, open up the scripture and there's many scriptures you could do this with and you could pray through this prayer. You could personalize it. You could pray it generally for us as a fellowship. You could pray it for individuals that you're praying for. You could pray through this prayer. This prayer is inspired by the Holy Spirit and we can pray it through and God will expand it for you and make it real for you And God is listening and God answers. Pray with confidence in Jesus' name. Ephesians 3, verses 14 to 20. Paul says this. For this reason, there it is again. (laughs) He has plenty of reasons. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and earth derives its name. And I pray out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And so here's another prayer of Paul's from Ephesians. And this time he's kneeling before the Father, And he says again, for this reason, 
And again, the context, you need to read Ephesians through to that. I encourage you to do it. But Paul's, he's seen and been expounding how God has reconciled both Jew and Gentile to himself through the cross. He has reconciled us both into a relationship with God the Father. He has brought peace both in our, in, into our relationships and into our relationship with God. And he says now, I'm just going back to verse 10, which is not up there, but in 3.10, he says, His intent was now that through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow, what God is doing through the church. His intent is that the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. There's a lot in that. That's, that's huge. This is what God is doing. He says in verse 12, In Him, that is in, in Christ Jesus our Lord, and through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. God wants us to approach Him through faith in His Son with freedom and confidence. I liked what Andrew shared this morning, the picture of us coming up to the Father with freedom and confidence. God wants us to pray and come to Him in such and he says, uh, therefore, I ask you, the Ephesians, to not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Paul was going through some difficult times. He's, he's uh, imprisoned. And he says, for this reason, because of what God is out working in and through his church and what he's done for us through his son, our Lord Jesus Christ, he says, I kneel before the Father. I believe he's physically kneeling. He, he is kneeling before Father God. He is, he is kneeling. There's a, there's a reverence. There's a reverence in the prayer life of the Apostle Paul. He kneels before his Father, before the glorious Father. He kneels. There's an urgency. There's an urgency in the Apostle's prayer. There's a recognition of the need for God to act. There's a recognition for the need of the Spirit of God to bring revelation to the church at Ephesus, to individual believers and to you and I. And he prays. He kneels before the Father. Father, we need you to do this. We, we need you to act. And we believe you are, and we believe you will. Well, I'm saying we, he's saying I. <laughs> he kneels before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and earth derives its name, or the Father of all fatherhood derives its name. Our very being, our very identity comes from our Father in heaven. And he prays that out of his glorious riches, out of the Lord's, all the riches as he's been expounding and, and talking about, the riches of God's grace, the riches of his mercy, the riches of his power, all the riches of God, all the riches that he has uh, purchased and accomplished for us in Christ, that, he, that I pray that out of these glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power 
through his spirit in your inner being. In your inner being. That's where the Holy Spirit's at work. In the inner, in the inner man. Simply, it's not the outer man. My body's the outer man. It's getting older. It's deteriorating. It's, it, it has troubles. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he's under a lot of pressure because of persecution. The outer man's being wasted away, but inwardly, day by day, he's being renewed. We need the Holy Spirit. We need to be praying that God is renewing us, that God is working in our spirit, in our heart, in our inner being, that God's Holy Spirit would strengthen us through power with his spirit. And he prays this for believers in Jesus who already know Jesus. And I tell you, if you've come to repentance and faith in Christ, you know him. He's in your life. Yet Paul prays for individual believers that Christ might dwell in their hearts through faith. That Christ might dwell in their hearts through faith. Doesn't Jesus already live in my heart? Yes, he does. In my brother and sister's heart? Yes, he does. But I need to pray that Christ might dwell in their hearts through faith. That word dwell means something like to make home. To make home. Jesus wants to make home in your heart and my heart. He wants to be at home. He wants to be at home. And it takes the power of the Spirit of God to cause this, to transform us. You know, uh, if you talk to Hayden and Simone, they're, uh, they're renovating a house. Hayden's here. Uh, I'm sure you could talk to them about renovate. Their, they bought a new house. A young couple buys a new house and starts to renovate and to change that house about. Okay, they've got to rip some stuff out, got to rip some old carpet perhaps, got to rip down a few walls. What else did you rip out? <laughs> everything! Oh, like that, he ripped everything out. And then he starts to build again. And it's, it's a lot of work, isn't it, Hayden? And, he's, and they're making it their own home. Some of what they ripped out just was useless and didn't work anymore. Some of what they ripped out just wasn't them, just didn't reflect them. And this is what Paul's praying that Jesus will do in your heart and in my heart, that he will come and make home. And there's things that he's going to take out. There's things he's going to deal with and take out of your heart and my heart. Amen? I find this actually quite exciting, to tell the truth, because I've come to realise that the Lord's process of sanctification, it's a part of me knowing him better. It's a part of me knowing him better. And God wants to take out of those, our lives things that don't belong to us, things that just aren't us in Christ. You see, that anger, Lord, that bitterness I have, that sin that I'm dealing with, that's not mine in Christ Jesus. It doesn't belong to me because Jesus has taken it for me. But, I still, but, but none of us are without sin, the Bible says. And Jesus is working in your heart and my heart and he's making his home in us. And by the power of his spirit, 
He wants to transform you and I and continue, continue to transform us so that we might know Him better, but so that we might reflect the, the, the He who dwells in His home, in our hearts. Amen? And, God, and Paul prays for this. He doesn't just assume that this is just going to automatically happen. He prays to God. He prays and asks for the Holy Spirit, for God the Father to bring Holy Spirit strength and power to make the changes that are necessary. By the way, the Apostle Paul is praying with a right heart. He's not praying, looking down on the Ephesians. He's not saying, you know, I'm the Apostle Paul. I was converted on the road to Damascus. Jesus appeared to me, you know, and I know God so well. He's not praying like that. You hear me? We're not praying for my brothers and sisters in Christ, looking down on them. Oh, this person's got this problem. Gee, they need to know God better. I mean, if only they knew God better. No, 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 no. We all need to know God better. He's praying out of a sincere heart that this is God's purpose and God's will for brothers and sisters in Christ, that we all know and experience this process, this work that God is doing in our hearts, that we, that we know Jesus, His love for us, having been rooted and established in love, that we have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide, long, high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that we might know the love of Jesus. I meditated on this this morning, I was just reading it and I remembered a, a mate of mine in my youth, you know, he used to say before a youth group, he used to say, he used to say, how great is the love of God? And he'd like he'd reach out as far as he could this way, as if he was trying to reach out an infinite distance. And then he'd reach out this way, as if he's trying to reach an infinite distance. How wide is the love of God? And then he'd just like hang his head like that. And we had a picture of Jesus dying on the cross for you and I. How great is the love of God for us. Paul prays that we might really, really get a hold and know and grasp how wide and long and high and deep is this love, the love of Christ, and to know this love. This is not an intellectual experience. God, God will open up our hearts, our minds, and those according to our gifting, our intellect. But this is, this is not an intellectual exercise, this is experiencing I believe Christianity is experiential. God wants us to experience the love of Christ, the deep love of God in our hearts. God wants you and I to experience that and we can know that. And a growing awareness and a growing participation in the love of Christ. But as we read the Apostles' Prayer, we find that this is not simply an individual experience. It's not simply another individual experience. As, as, as much as an individual experience can be helpful and may well be of God, 
Paul says this. He says he's praying that together with all the saints you might grasp just how wide and how long and how deep is the love of Christ together with all the saints. You see, we can't grasp, we can't know the love of God if we're not together. To experience and to know the love of God, we need each other. We need to belong to a body of Christ. We need each other. There's, there's times in history where people are imprisoned, I know, and, they, and God gives special grace. They can't get to be a part of a fellowship, but even those people are a part of a fellowship. But in normal circumstances, we need to be connecting with one another. We need to be con- seriously and sincerely connecting with one another. We need to be seeing the grace of God at work in my brother and sister's life and giving thanks for that. I need, I need to be, I need to be uh, receiving from others the love, of, the love of God. There's been times in my life where, where I didn't feel the love of God, but, my, but Lynn spoke something to me and I knew God loved me in a, in a, in a greater way. There's times when God speaks many times through uh, another, another brother or sister in Christ and it works out very practically, the love of God, doesn't it? It works out very practically. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He did something that was very practical, very real. His, his, his one and only son, our Lord Jesus, fully God and fully human, died for you and I. It was it was there. It was flesh and blood. Well, Jesus has risen from the dead and sent his Holy Spirit to us, but we don't have his physical body here with us today, but we have one another. We have one another, and you and I, you and I are a dwelling place. The body, our body, is a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit, and God wants to use us to encourage one another. I wonder how big a view of the church we have. I wonder what we think church could be. I wonder what we're praying for. I wonder if we can see, if even we could imagine a healthy church, a church where relationships are real, a church where relationships are growing and are deepening, where love is practical, a church where the power of God is evident a church where the scriptures, the, holy, the, the Bible is, is held in high honour. The word of the Lord is held in high honour. I wonder what type of church we can imagine and what we're praying for. What was the Apostle Paul praying for? A, a church filled with the power and the love of God, being transformed. A church, and he says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than you ask or imagine. I just don't think we know just how good church can be. I don't think we've, re- we've re- recognised it all yet. I mean, I'm not saying we're ever going to be perfect. We're not. I'm, I'm, I'm a realist, you know. The Bible is real. It just tells it how it is. We can have lots and lots of difficulties because we're human. But God is able to do more than we ask or imagine. 
he's able to do immeasurably more. Are, are we asking? Are we asking? Church, let's pray. Let's continue to pray for one another. Let's continue to pray. You know, where am I? Most, most Bible, most Bible uh, teachers, commentaries, and rightly so, say that the church, when Paul wrote to the church of, of, of Ephesians, they use it as a model church. It's, pretty, it's a model church, this a church in, in Ephesus. It's a healthy church when Paul's writing. There's not much internal evidence from the letter that there's anything going wrong. There's not much correction happening at all in, in Ephesians. And then about three years later, we have the letter of Timothy, and Timothy uh, was uh, o- overseeing, part of the overseeing of the church in Ephesus, and Second Timothy about six years later, and you see there's some difficulties coming in. They've got some false teaching and stuff happening, but it's still, it's a healthy, vibrant church. And then if I turn to the book of Revelation, and we haven't got a lot of time, but we turn to the book of Revelation, and there Jesus speaks to this church. We're perhaps now, uh, depending when we date Revelation, uh, being written, which some say it was as late as 95, others say as early as 70, so we're between 10 and perhaps 25 years later. doesn't really matter. But Jesus sends his angel to this church, to the church in Ephesus, and he commends them for many things. And he says, you know, I'll read, some, I'll read it so I don't get it wrong. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. I know that you have tolerated wicked men. I, sorry, I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men. That you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. Jesus is commending the church for doing those things. They're good things to do. But then he says this, Jesus, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favour. You hate the practice of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. That's Jesus speaking to the church at Ephesus. And I don't know what they'd done. But somehow they'd forsaken their first love. Somehow their first love for Jesus and their first love for one another had gone cold. Somehow this had happened. Even though they were so diligent, even though they were so strong biblically, they'd forsaken their first love and it's a strong warning. Jesus says, in effect, I'll come, I'll shut down your church. That's Jesus. And I don't know, and I can't prove, and I'm not trying to, but I wonder 
if they'd stop praying through the Apostles' Prayer. I wonder if they'd stop praying sincerely and seriously for one another. I wonder if they'd started to rely on their own strength, not realising their need of the Spirit of God to bring revelation, to know the Father better, to know Christ's love deep, to know Christ dwelling in our hearts. And I close. Paul says later in Ephesians, he says this, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Father, we we thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord. We bow our hearts before you, Father God. We can't make this happen, Father. We thank you for the grace that we see. We, we see you working in and through our lives, and we're thankful, Father. But we're asking that you bring increase, Father, in Jesus' name. Bring increase, Father, to the sincerity and the faithfulness, the believing of our praying, for the purpose of our praying, Father. Bring increase, Father God, in our knowledge of yourself, we ask in Jesus' name. Increase in the knowledge and the outworking of the deep, deep love of Jesus. Thank you, Father. And in close, I'm going to ask the band to come. I just have a word. I, I just want to share this for, for a, one person. There may be one person here, maybe more, but I believe there is this morning there's a person who who you're just one step away from knowing Jesus from knowing God as your father in heaven you you know the holy spirit's been drawing you you know you've been coming to an understanding that God is real and that God is your father he wants to be you're, you're starting to believe and know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and was physically raised from the dead. You're starting to see that. You may well be fighting that. But God says you're one step away if you would just call on my name. If you would call on the name of Jesus, if you would just sincerely from your heart cry out to God. He knows you through and through. Cry out to him knowing that Jesus Christ, his son, gave his life for you, has been risen from the dead. If that's you, I encourage you to cry out to God. I mean, I'm going to ask the band to play. If you would like prayer this morning, we've already prayed for one another. I think we won't do that. But if you would like prayer this morning... Feel free, we do make opportunity for, for us to pray for one another and that's, that's a good thing. If you need to talk to someone about knowing God your Father better, talk to the person who bought you. Talk to myself or Andrew or a leader that you know in the church and we can help you. God has uh, put us in, into a body.
to help one another know him better. Thanks, guys.